This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, busy night here on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in Columbia. Chris Bergen joining us from Berge Palace number two over in Georgetown as he's about to head out of town with Coastal Carolina basketball. And our phone number, 888-898-2525. Hope you're staying warm. Things are getting a little frosty out there for a few days. Eh, Nothing wrong with two or three days of winter. And then we move on to spring. That's kind of how I look at it. So busy day today, as always, uh, here on Sports Talk. South Carolina once again tapping into the Transfer portal, John, for two more, including a quarterback. And this is a quarterback coming in to play, to compete, to maybe be the starter. A guy with experience, both at, uh, well, he didn't play at Oregon, but he spent two years out there. But he did play at Auburn, and he did a lot of things for the Auburn offense, both in terms of running the football and passing the football. And so the Gamecocks have another competitor to uh, look at in the quarterback room as of course they had um, Lenora Sellers counting on him and they had Luke Doty counting on him and Dante Reno who's now in school as a true freshman counting on him Davis Bevel comes in as a PWO transfer not sure you count on him to be a competitor for the starting job so Shane Beamer continued to go after quarterbacks in the transfer portal, John. And today it became official that Robbie Ashford is coming to South Carolina as a transfer from Auburn. And this is a guy from Hoover, Alabama, who is 6'4", 225, excellent size. He's a runner and a thrower. He's very mobile, like Lenora Sellers. And he's coming to compete, I'm sure. He's not coming just to sit out and stand on the sideline and signal in place. He'll come in and compete, and the best one will handle the job. But he does give the Gamecocks, at the very least, some experience and some more depth in that quarterback room than what they had before. So now the Gamecocks look at Ashford, they look at Sellers, uh, and they look at Luke Doty, and they look at Dante Reno. And they've got uh, Davis Bevel. So that's five quarterbacks to work with that's probably plenty and you hope from that you come up with a guy that can lead you and make you a winner and then this afternoon they added another offensive lineman from the transfer portal in Kamar Bell a transfer from FAU who started his career at Auburn 6'2 300 out of Moultrie Georgia started all 12 games for the Owls this past season working primarily at right guard so we'll go over all these names that the Gamecocks have taken out of the portal, as they've taken quite a few, they will have one of the larger contingents of transfers when it's all said and done. And they, who knows if they're done or not. 
Uh, the Gamecocks right now, after the these two, they count 18 scholarship transfers and 34 newcomers for the 2024 season. That includes your transfers from the portal, from junior college, and also includes your high school signees. So 18 scholarships, transfers, and 34 total newcomers as the roster turns over. So the question in my mind is, and this is all well and good, not criticizing, not saying it's a wrong strategy. This is what Shane Beamer, being a guy who's just in his fourth year now, going into his fourth year as South Carolina's head coach, but he comes in caught up in the time when you had the birth of the transfer portal and the birth of NIL. He didn't really have any old ways built into him as the more veteran coaches did, who did it another way. This is his first time being a head coach. Now, yes, he did recruit the old way before the rules changed, but as a head coach and making these kind of decisions, he didn't have to change his ways really because the ways changed for him when he became a head coach, and he has endorsed these changes from the get, and he's playing the game. And so the question is, is this a good way, not going to say a right way, is this a good way to build your program? Maybe at this stage when you're still trying to get it started and you're tr- still trying to um, set yourself up for long-term success, you've got to do it this way. Or will this be the way that Shane Beamer always does it at South Carolina? Once they become, let's say they become a, a major factor nationally and make the playoffs on a regular basis, do you still continue to recruit the transfer portal, John, this hard? The question is, is this the way you build long-term success in a program? Or do you do it the Dabo Sweeney way, which is to still turn a blind eye to the portal, John? He still hasn't taken a player to contribute out of the portal, John. Still hasn't. Says he will. Says he tries. Don't believe it. Can't see it. Hasn't happened. So his way is still his way, which is to recruit high school players and develop and try and keep them in the program for a minimum of three years, maybe four, sometimes five, depending on the situation, and to build your program that way, hoping for long-term success. So really, two totally different ways of going about it at South Carolina and at Clemson. Now, Clemson continues to win, even though they did not make the playoffs this past year. They continue to win ball games, win a bowl game, and had a successful from the standpoint of wins and losses, had a successful season. Not the kind of season that they would term a great success, but a success nonetheless. And South Carolina, of course, did not make a bowl game despite all the transfers they took in the previous year. So if you take in all these transfers, but you don't win 10 or 11 games, should you consider trying something else? Do you you continue to hit the transfer portal, John? Because let's face it, and we'll go over them player by player, you're taking a lot of players who weren't players where they were. They were third team, fourth team even at some of the major schools. Now you're taking some starters from some smaller programs and you're bringing them up, hoping they can play at the higher level. And yes, Mario Anderson developed into a credible running back and Juice Wells was certainly a a super receiver coming up from a a smaller level, and there have been others. I'm not saying it can't happen. not saying it hasn't happened. It has. 
But I wonder if the thinking is we can take a guy who was a highly recruited guy at a high school who sits on the bench at Alabama for two or three years or at Oklahoma or wherever, and we can take him and turn him into a player and make him into a player. Uh, Can you do that? Does that work for you? Will that work for South Carolina? So these are some of the things to consider when you look at what South Carolina has done and what Clemson is doing from a recruiting standpoint to this point. Let's, let's kick that around. Plus today, the high school league heard appeals from teams wanting their new classifications to be changed. Lou Bajak from the state was involved in covering that all day, and he'll join us at 7.05 to unfold everything and, and break it all down for us. Certainly there's some, some happy people, and certainly there are some unhappy people with the decisions made so far today. And we've got basketball tonight. It's a doubleheader, late-night basketball night in South Carolina with Clemson hosting Georgia Tech, South Carolina hosting Georgia. So the Peach State comes to the Palmetto State, and the home team's favored to win. And I see no reason why the two of them can't pull off late-night wins tonight over these respective uh, league opponents that they face. So we'll talk all about that as well. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number, Pat Daniel here in the studio. And Bergie joins us from Bergie Palace 2 in Georgetown. And I'm by myself here. Normally at Bergie Palace 1, I at least have Finn and, and the wife in town, but uh-huh. I'm down here by myself. So uh-huh. I'll, I'll, try and keep it, I'll try and keep it down a little bit, the uh, party you know, won't get started until about 9 o'clock tonight when basketball, for some reason, has to tip off at 9 o'clock on the East Coast. I, I really wish the NCAA, if we're going to continue to try and tell folks that they're actually student-athletes, we, of course, now know that's a fallacy. But if you want to continue saying that, then games should not tip off, kick off any later than 8 o'clock local time. Mm. How about this, though? Why did Tennessee and Florida tip off so early? The weather. Oh, Florida had to evidently get into Knoxville early, I think, yesterday to try and avoid the snow that moved through uh, western North Carolina and, I guess, eastern Tennessee. And I think that was the reason they wanted to play and be able to get out out tonight. At least that's what I saw. Well, Florida should wish that they stayed home because they're getting pummeled right now, (laughs) 53-37, by the Vols in Knoxville. So not a good start for them. Um, Does anything make you happy these days? I'd like to say one thing that makes you happy where you come back and say, that makes me happy. <laughs> I'm a very happy person. I just, when things don't make a whole lot of sense to me, I'm going to call that out. And having two basketball games on the East Coast with two teams that are separated by, what, three hours drive for both games, it, make, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they play at 9 o'clock. I don't understand why. I mean, television is the reason that every mm-hmm. TV and money are the answers to every question in college athletics, and that's why. But you would think, I mean, these aren't two nationally ranked games. Neither Nobody's ranked in these matchups. So go ahead and tip them off at 7 o'clock tonight and let the fans enjoy it. And, and it's, I think it's somewhat unfortunate that you have the uh, Gamecocks and, and Tigers having pretty good seasons right now. They're going to be relegated to the 9 p.m. tip-offs in games, as you correctly pointed out, they should win. I mean, where Vanderbilt is the you know get-right game in football, Georgia men's basketball has been the get-right game for the Gamecocks. I mean, they've won 13 of the last 14 in this current home winning streak that they're presently almost started. 
with a win over the Bulldogs last year on Senior Day. And Clemson's done pretty much the same thing against Georgia Tech. I mean, these, these would be games you would hope you'd have a big crowd, home court advantage would play out, and the Gamecocks and Tigers would perform. Well, they, they may still, mm-hmm. and the fans may surprise me and all show up on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. I just don't think they'd get the crowd that they would get, say, tipping off at 7. Let me share this thought with you about why. First of all, teams have to play 9 o'clock games. It's rotated through their league, so – Everybody's got to play a 9 o'clock game, I guess. I don't know if that's once a year, every couple of years, but they're going to make everybody Mm -hmm. go through that. And they probably – I mean, it's just coincidence, I guess, that these two home state teams here are both playing tonight. But I imagine that they chose Georgia Tech for Clemson and Georgia for South Carolina because they are the closest league rivals. And so for the visiting teams – It'll be a shorter – it's going to be a late night anyway, an early morning, but it's going to be a shorter ride home for them. They don't have to fly. They can get on the bus right after the game, two and a half hours back to Athens, uh, hour and a half – I'm sorry, yeah, hour and a half back to uh, Atlanta for Georgia Tech. So that's probably – when they were planning all this out, that probably came into play. Uh, that would be my guess. Now, last night – last night I was at uh, the Colonial Life Arena after I left the show – Went there for the USC women. Good grief. And they just look, I mean, they just look spectacular. I mean, Kentucky used to be able to play with them, but not anymore. Uh, a tight first quarter and then complete annihilation for the final three quarters. Uh, the Gamecocks win it as much as they want to win it. They win it going away by a final of 98-36. to 36. And like I said, it was, it was, it was close early on. And then the Gamecocks turned up the defense and allowed eight points in the second quarter, 11 in the third, and four points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Meantime, they kept the foot on the gas offensively and just did whatever they wanted to. They got the third dunk in the history of the program by Ashlyn Watkins. She's got all three of them. And this came off a turnover, a breakaway, and she slams it down. They had uh, balanced scoring with uh, six in double figures, led by Pow uh, Pow, who had 14, and Full Wiley. Uh, she had 14. You had another double-double from Cardosa with uh, 12 points and 11 rebounds. Here is a stat that stood out to me that just sort of caught my eye when looking over the stats. The Gamecocks, I mean, they weren't perfect. They turned it over 14 times. They turned it over 14 times, okay? Which is, you know, that's probably a little more than they would like to turn it over. They were a little sloppy from that standpoint. They turned it over 14 times. But Kentucky did not score a point off turnovers. Zero. Zero points off 14 turnovers. You would think somebody would get a breakaway layup. 34 to nothing. This, This is what jumped out at me. 34 to nothing points off turnovers the Gamecocks with 34 of course you got in the paint they won 54 to 14 fast breaks 28 to 6 45 19 off the bench they won all the regular categories they win every time but 34 nothing in turnovers Bergie you've seen a lot more basketball from the floor than I have calling games can you ever recall one team having that sort of a lopsided advantage in points off turnovers 
No, outside of maybe a high school game where you just had a, a ridiculous mismatch, you know, with a 5A team playing a 1A team in a Christmas tournament, and it was just it was a mismatch from the get-go. But in terms of two conference opponents, it's ridiculous. And part of the problem is that everybody else is going to have to face against South Carolina. All right, fine. You're going to turn it over against them. They're too aggressive on defense. But then how are you going to stop them when they get in transition? This is why I believe they are a more complete team than they were last year. And that's, that's hard to say considering how good they were last year, but they had deficiencies. They didn't run the floor nearly as well, I don't think, last year that they do this year. Certainly didn't shoot the three anywhere close to as well last year as they do this year. And, Phil, they get out in transition. You can't stop them. And a lot of the uh, turnovers that Kentucky had last night were open floor turnovers that lead to easy baskets. And on the flip side, as you pointed out, all right, South Carolina turns it over in the front court, fine. That gives them time to set up their defense on the other end. And how are you going to score? You can't drive inside because Cardoso is going to sit there and swat it in the stands. She had five block shots last night. I think they average about 10 blocks a game. I mean, everything they do this year is geared to get back to the Final Four and win it this time because they have the perimeter game to go with that inside game and the defense. Listen to these streaks, these mind-boggling streaks with the win last night. That's 16 in a row, 16-0 and this season. 50 straight at home, 26 straight on the road, 35 straight SEC wins, 33 straight SEC home wins, 17 straight SEC road wins. I mean, it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then you go non-conference, they've won 12 straight non-conference games, 25 straight at home, 11 straight on the road, et cetera, et cetera. So pretty amazing. I mean, you really – you really have to look at Dawn Staley in amazement at what she has built and what she is sustaining with no drop-off in sight whatsoever. And, I mean, they'll face, you know, tougher competition in the league. they got to go to LSU game after next. They go to Texas A&M, then they go to LSU. All right, so that big showdown is awaiting them. You know, UConn's coming up down the road. Though I don't know how, how great they're going to be with the injuries they have sustained. Sure, May but if Cardoso pass. doesn't play, yeah. you know that might be a uh, sort of leveling uh, scenario in that category. If, if Connecticut, because they're they're struggling with injuries, you're right. But if if Camilo Cardoso is playing for the uh, Brazilian national team, true, that might be an issue in that ball game. That's a true point. Uh, and um, and then you know somewhere down the road in the play, in the tournament in the Final Four somewhere they're going to cross paths with Iowa. You figure, and uh, that would probably be the game everybody wants to see in Absolutely. the country. I would say. Put uh, put full Wiley on Clark and see how that works out. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else on your mind? No, I thought you laid out some interesting stuff to dig into about the uh, transfer portal. Um, we can uh, certainly break that down as the evening moves along. But I'd, I'd be curious to hear from Gamecock fans, especially at the quarterback position, because I think everybody coming off the season, and that's why we talked about the bowl game, missing out on the bowl game, I think probably disappointed Gamecock fans as much as anything, not, not to just go win a game, but to get a chance to see Lenore Sellers play sort of as a starter in a bowl game, because I don't think Spencer Rattler would have shown up for the uh, Dukes-Mayo Bowl again. So you, you turn it around, now he doesn't get a chance in that. And is he going to be the starter going into September? I mean, I think everybody coming out of the season, we all thought that was a, a foregone conclusion. Now you bring a guy who's on his now third team. So I think you're right. Robbie Ashford's not signing up in South Carolina without having an expectation of being the starting quarterback. And he's going to try and beat out Lenore Sellers. So if, if Sellers isn't the guy going into the fall, I'd be curious to see how Gamecock fans react to that. 
add a few things to y- y'all talk, touched on a number of topics there, but want to circle back to one thing a moment ago. And Phil, you were asking if if Shane Beamer would continue, say they find success, say the Gamecocks do make the playoff, do you still rely on the transfer portal? And an old quote just immediately came to mind for me, and that's you dance with the one that brought you. And I think about, you mentioned Dabo Sweeney not really taking players from the portal. Well, he has found the peak of success in collegiate athletics, a national championship, two of them without doing the portal. So I feel like that's got to be in the back of his head. Why change something if it's not broken? Although a lot of us could argue maybe the last couple of years, it's in the process of potentially breaking. I don't think it's broken, but maybe it's breaking. But if you're Coach Beamer, if say you do, you, you rely on the portal for the first however many years and you do get to an SEC championship or you sneak into the 12-team playoff, whatever, I think at that point it'd be hard to switch away from that just because if you find that level of success by relying on the portal – then that would be difficult to switch away. Just a thought there. Now, a few other news notes I wanted to add in here. A few, just a lot of these coming out right now as we were going on, on live. It's being reported that Ohio State has hired uh, Texas A&M athletic director Ross Bjork to now be the new athletic director at Ohio State. And this is a guy who has spent a majority of his career in the SEC between uh, Missouri, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Now, he was part of that massive contract that I think a lot of us would consider to be a, a swing and a miss with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, but he's also the one that now got the replacement in Mike Elko, which I think a lot of people, at least at first glance, consider a, a success. But interesting move for him to go from A&M to Ohio State. And then a bit of sad news out of Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, legendary head coach Mike Martin Sr., who is just an absolute legend for Florida State and just collegiate baseball in general, a uh, report coming out just a, just a few minutes ago here um, that he has been moved to hospice. Uh, looks oh, like no. his wife mentioned that uh, he is now in hospice care, and uh, there was a request made for prayers and love for the Martin and Seminoles family. It's just even though that doesn't directly impact us here in South Carolina, that's a legend of the game that we've all been watching, both from Clemson and South Carolina perspective. So I want to make sure we, we mention that as well. And then one other notes here, uh, a new hire being reported, for Kalen DeBoer's Alabama staff, and that's current Buffalo head coach Marin, uh, Maurice Linguist, who you might know a good bit about from via the Sun Belt there, Chris, but uh, Maurice Linguist is now being reported to be hired as a defensive assistant, so not coordinator, but assistant likely to be working with the secondary, and that's now multiple active head coaches now going to be assistants at Alabama. Yeah, because he hired Kane Womack, from South Alabama That's right. to be his defensive coordinator. Kane Womack is the son of the former USC defensive coordinator, Womack, <laughs> whose first name escapes me. Uh, but he was South Carolina's defensive coordinator back in – when was that? Um, I have to look it up and see. But uh, he has the young man, um, Dave Womack. Dave Womack was the – Defensive coordinator at South Carolina among his many stops, and that would have been 2005, six, and uh, 2005, 2006. Uh, well, maybe he was just a defensive assistant coach. I thought he was DC. They list him here as defensive back. His Wikipedia says defensive backs and then outside linebackers. I thought he might have been the DC here. Maybe that was somewhere else he was DC. Oh, Georgia Tech, he went on to become ah. DC and then at Arkansas State, then at Ole Miss, uh, he was D.C. So he is the son of Dave Womack, who coached here 
in South Carolina. So got it. And if we want, while talking about linguists, we we talk on the show a lot about loyalty, and we talk more about players, but coaches as well. I mean, Maurice Linguist, just three days ago here, I found an article that they hired a new assistant coach, Ray Pickering, to come in and be the running backs coach three days ago. They hired him away from Texas, and now the guy that just hired a new assistant is leaving to go be an assistant in Alabama. <laughs> this this poor guy from Texas probably hadn't even gotten to Buffalo yet. Or and, still, and, and listen, <laughs> I, mean, I doubt it. And this is why players say, don't criticize us for yeah. transferring, you coaches. And I get that. I get that. Coaches who want to complain and say it's out of control. I mean, look, you're part of the problem. As I stated a couple of weeks ago, the problem starts at the top with the presidents and the AD, all, and the ADs all seeking the money. And then, of course, the coaches getting the money and enjoying the fruits of their labor by getting the money, but also having the freedom to leave. At a moment's notice, I know there is a penalty if you have a buyout. I get that. They do have to pay a penalty. Right now, players don't have to pay any penalty, not even financially, unless somebody sues them for breaking an NIL deal if, if something like that happens. But, yeah, coaches upping and jumping and leaving so quickly, I can see why players feel like, hey, we should be able to do the same thing. Okay, we'll hit the break, and we'll get to your phone calls when we come back. Our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you. Here on Sports Talk, go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you on the air in just a moment. And I want to remind you that once we get through this cold weather, it will warm up, and it will warm up nicely. Even before you know it, you're going to be thinking about getting down to the beach for a weekend getaway, maybe something for a, a week couple of weeks, a month, maybe permanently. Make sure you call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246 at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Jimmy's always on the lookout for properties. He sent me an email today showing me a, a piece of property that just went on the market in Merle's Inlet. I said thank you very much, but no thank you. In good shape as things are right now. He can do the same thing for you. You get on his good side, you get on his email list, you get on his text line, you'll get the same information anytime, all the time. 843-237-4246, pauliesvacationrentals.com. But don't wait and put it off as far as getting your vacation spot lined up for this summer because they will fill up quickly. That number again, 843-237-4246. Okay, jump to some phone calls. We go to Jamie and Hilton Head. Up first tonight, Jamie, welcome into Sports Talk. Good to have you with us. Good evening, sir. How are you? We're great. Good to have you with us. Good. Good. Listen, I've always respected you, and I've always thought you did a great job covering high school sports and continue to do so. But here's my here's my thing. Clemson has, has yet to use the, the transfer portal, and I, that's by design. I mean, and and you say, well, you know, their program's slipping. Well, sure, it slips some. I mean, but let's go back to last year. They were probably within one game of making the playoffs. If they had not fumbled the, the 
the punt. They prop. They may have went down and beat South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina won by a point, and it was rumored that South Carolina had Clemson signs. And I mean, then they come back this year. They win nine games, and the transfer portal is killing high school sports, man. Absolutely killing it. So. I mean, I just can't fault Dabo for the way he does things. Why do you think it's killing high school sports? What's the evidence that you have seen that leads you to believe it's killing high school sports? Well, okay. You you take a kid out of South Carolina or any state. He says, well, he he would normally be recruited. But but instead, a coach like Shane Beamer and other coaches, not just Shane Beamer, is saying, well, I'll just – Instead of taking this high school kid right here, mm-hmm. I'll just build my need through the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. But, you know, if one school passes on you, there's, if you're good enough, there's other schools who will take you. You might not be able to go there because they're full up because they took a bunch of transfers. But if you're good enough to play at South Carolina as a high school player, there are other opportunities. I hear what you're saying. I'm kind of playing a little devil's yeah. advocate here with you. I do understand it's putting a crunch on some high school recruits who might otherwise be going to the a higher level school, but those schools are filling up with transfers, so they've got to do, go somewhere else. I hear what you're saying. I don't know that it's ruining high school sports yet. It is closing some doors for some players because of the numbers game. And I'm gonna tell you something: that you build a team through the transfer portal, you build a program still through through high school recruiting. Well, I don't know. This is my question to you. Here's my question to you. I get the what you're saying, program versus a team, et cetera. But in this era of the way people think about things, will they care whether you have a program if your team goes out and wins in a particular year with a bunch? They still no. look at the jersey and say, that's my team. It still has the school or the – mascot on the jersey and they'll worry about next year next year they'll just go back to the portal and find more transfers to come in and play if you get good transfer players chris i think so well, that's I think true it... i mean and brad brownell is using the transfer portal in basketball i understand i you know but it's just it's it's a sad and what needs to happen is the ncaa needs to step in here and say hey you can only have so many transfers athletes on your team you know uh and you say well you can't limit a kid's right to transfer you're not taking away his right to transfer and another thing that needs to change is the red shirt rule because kids are saying well i've only played in three games i'm not liking the way this is going i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and declare for the transfer portal now and we've, we've not played in four games and and i've still got that extra year what they need to do is they need to come out and say well you've got five years to play college football okay and and as soon as you step foot on that field, your your eligibility is gone for that year. Well, yes, I hear what you're saying, and the idea of having some rules in place is a good idea. And thank you for your phone call; it's great hearing from you. You make some excellent points. But here's the problem, I think, Chris. Every time the NCAA, well, let me go back and rephrase that. The rules that the NCAA has lived by over all these generations have been blown up by the courts. Mm-hmm. What makes you believe that any new rules that they implement won't be blown up by the courts just the same? I have no reason to believe they'll be 
successful in court. And but I think Jamie's got maybe the right idea is you attach those rules to the schools. You don't necessarily attach them to the employees, i.e., the players. You make the rules more stringent on the schools themselves. I kind of like his idea about, you know, five years to play four. Let's go back and, and get back to that. You can transfer. It's going to be impossible to prevent kids from transferring more than once. I don't think we'll ever get back to that. And maybe you do limit the amount of transfers that can go into a single program. I say 10. After 10, you're done. Now, that doesn't mean that Pat – Daniel can't transfer to Ole Miss because that's where he wanted to go to school. He just he can transfer. He just can't transfer there because they're already full. So I think you'd get a rush on that first transfer portal. Maybe only have one transfer portal opportunity. But I mentioned to you and Pat during the break, and I think it's terminology that we may start having to realize is no no longer exists. The old ways of building a program are gone. I mean, let's talk about our two basketball teams. Jamie brought it up with Brad Brownell. Heck, look at the job that Lamont Paris has done getting older quickly, and he's got a team that right now is in the NCAA tournament. His team last year was never in the NCAA tournament, even with the young talent that it had. They've gotten older. They're better. He's done it through the transfer portal. If Carolina goes to the NCAA tournament and then that whole team disbands and then he has to go back in the portal next year and puts another competitive team out there, is that a program or is it just building each season? I think the new way of looking at things is you're going to be building rosters per season. We're not going to have a guy sign at at South Carolina or Clemson or at Coastal or Wofford or wherever and stay there for five years. Those days are pretty much gone. And so building a program, I don't think whether you try and do it through the high schools or you through it during the transfer portal or junior college route or whatever the case may be, those days are long gone. We've got to accept now as fans that we are building rosters for seasons not for a program of four years. Yeah. And what's funny is what you're saying is quite possibly going to be the case. And the pros don't have to do that. I mean, they put their team together on an annual basis, but they sign guys to multi-year contracts. Now, they have turnover. That might be a way to fix that. Well, That that would be a way to fix that problem. They have turnover. Mm -hmm. Obviously, players are traded. Players are cut. Players retire. But for the most part, let's take a let's take a let's use the NBA for example. They have what a thirteen man roster, so you go into camp and you've got your basic eight or nine guys, and they're all under contract, and they're going to be with you. They were with you last year for the most part, depending on if you made a trade or not. But for the most part, they were with you. And then you've got in the preseason camp, you've got maybe four or five or six guys you're looking at to fill those other spots. And you sign them to the one-year contracts. Maybe if you really like a player, you give them a multi-year deal, whatever you have to do. But you've got the core of your team together year after year, unless you make a trade or they retire or you or you cut somebody. I mean, college is pretty much complete turnover now in a lot of cases, as we've seen with um, the number of players South Carolina, for example, has had to go into the portal and now the number of players they're taking out of the portal. I mean, they had like 21 going in, right? So that's a quarter of your football team that went into the portal. And they've got 18 coming out. So they pretty much have replaced each transfer with another transfer, man for man. So, I mean, it's for football, in a case like South Carolina where you're trying to climb up that ladder, 
you're always looking for who you think is a better player. And obviously they feel like they can't get it done the old-fashioned way through just right. recruiting, just through going through high school players and getting those guys. And I, and I get that because they're not in a position to attract the best players out of high school football. You know, the best players that are viewed as those best players coming out of high school football. Sometimes you get a player who's not so highly reviewed and he comes in and he's a great player for you. You know, we can cite hundreds of those kind of players. So you now you take the route, and I don't think it's any easier because recruiting out of the transfer portal, I've got to believe, has to do with a lot of uh, money and a lot of playing opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, they're transferring because, well, I shouldn't say money. Let me back that up a little bit. I wouldn't say that across the board. Maybe in some cases – but these guys are mostly one of two categories. A, they weren't playing at a bigger school, and so they want to go somewhere else to get playing time. Or B, they were playing at a lower-level school, and they were a major player, and they want to see if they can take it up to the next level and cash in on that. So I think that – these, like I said at the beginning, these guys you're taking from the more established programs, the bigger programs, but they're not playing there. Do they just magically become players for you in your program? Can you turn them into contributors? You also have to be careful not to slow down the progress of good young high school players you have in your program who might not get as many snaps in practice, might not get as many reps in a game because you do have these transfers who've come in. Well, and then you have an example like this. I just saw coming across the wire, cornerback uh, Trey Amos from Alabama. He's back in the transfer portal. He started his career at Louisiana, did exactly what you said, was probably too good for some belt football, so he moved to the SEC, joined Alabama, played all 14 or at least 14 games this past season for the Crimson Tide. And now with the coaching change, he's transferring again instead of sticking around to find out how he'll fit in the new system. So, I mean, you've got, you've got both sides of the coin. You've got guys who want to move up because they feel like they're better than the level they're currently on, guys who maybe aren't getting playing time, want to transfer, say, laterally. And then you have guys who are at the top of their game. I think everybody would agree Alabama's one of the elite programs in the country who doesn't want to wait to find out where he's going to fit in the new system. So he's looking for a new place to play. All right, phone number 888-898-2525, and we continue with your phone calls on this Tuesday edition of Sports Talk, let's go to Hank in Columbia next with us. Hank, welcome in. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine, Corn. It's good to hear from you. And Yeah, and Corn, uh, you know, one thing, uh, I'll say one thing about when you were talking about the girls' game last night before I talk about this football thing is, um, you know, one thing that you really have to salute Don for was is that, that almost 16,000 people in there. It was over fifteen thousand people in there, yeah. and I and the team is so entertaining. Now, like they don't, they don't leave. <laughs> they want to see what the team's going to do in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I did see. You know, I got there because they start at seven. I get there about eight fifteen, eight twenty. So there were some people leaving as I was walking in because they the Gamecocks were up by forty. You know, and they were like, "What the heck? We'll get on out of here." But you're right. There was still a a good loud crowd in there to the end. I think they wanted to see if they were going to get to a hundred points again. Uh, and you know, they want to see full Wiley throw a behind the back pass on a fast break. They want to see if Watkins is going to throw down another dunk. 
Yeah, listen, <laughs> they have mad supporters, man. They have mad support, and they love everything that this team does, and they deliver. They deliver. They can't say enough about them on the basketball court and how they handle their business. I loved it the other night when they won against uh, was that Mississippi State, I think. Yeah. And they won. Yeah. They won easily, but they weren't satisfied. They weren't happy. And they, it was a long time. Before they, they were in the locker room a long time. Apparently there was some butt-chewing going on before they came out for a post-game press conference. No, and, and they all said it, players and coach, you know, yeah, we won, but we didn't play to our standard. So that's a sign of a championship program right there. And you know what? Yeah. Yeah, she's taken some transfers here and there. You know, Pow Pow was a transfer. She's had a transfer about every year. She's had at least maybe one. And she's well, had yeah, some she transfer think, yeah. out. But basically, I mean, it's not basically. It's a program built around the best high school talent she can get. Exactly, exactly. And, Court, one thing I want to say going into the football thing um, is, um, one, okay, one thing from last night, when we were talking about Edmonds, I think the reason we still have to always give benefit to doubt that there are some of these kids that are transferring for the same reasons that they transferred um, back in the day before all this portal stuff, where you would have a kid sometimes that would transfer back closer to home because, uh, a family member or somebody that fell sick and, and they wanted to be back there as they're going through that. And, and I'm not, not going to get too much into business, but I think that was something that had Edmonds transferring. And I think Edmonds was going to actually transfer to South Florida, but Florida State came in and offered him when he went into the portal and, and it was fairly close and he took it. Um, so I don't know, think every you player, do know You do remember that he committed to LSU at one time after he put went back into the portal, he was originally going to LSU. I don't think I don't know if that was Edmonds. It could have been, but you, it, it could have been you know because you did recruit a guru. But um, I do recall he, tweeting yeah. that that uh, Gilbert Edmond was going to go to. At least it was on it was on Twitter from I somebody. Think that, I think it was rumored. I think it was rumored. I, don't, I really, Corn. I really don't think it was. I know know a little bit inside of it, and I won't get into it. But I think he was going back. He was homesick. I think coaches knew that he he was planning to go at the end of the year, even when he was playing well for the team. Mm-hmm. And so he left. He left. He handled his business going out the door, which allowed him to come back in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and you remember when y'all were calling his names? You remember we had a player like that. remember the guy that came from Arkansas State, the Corey Rucker dude, and he went right back to Arkansas State, played the bowl game. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So. It's 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 a little bit more common, but I I just think that as this thing goes on, it's gonna happen like that. Um, the one thing I'll say when you're talking about the high school recruits and all this, Beamer still went out and signed, try, and signed, tried to, and signed the full high school class. A lot of a lot of the portal activity he has had is being been because of people going out, and I, I think that's why you can't put a number on portal players each year because remember that that number got released. Because you had you had situations where a head coach would leave and go to a job, or a assistant coach would leave and go to a job, and you had massive numbers of players leaving teams, and you had people showing up with teams where they couldn't get. They signed their full allotment of high school kids. They signed what was limited by the portal. Remember, which at one time was seven, mm-hmm. and they were playing eighteen, you know, fifteen, eighteen scholarships down. Yes. And once the injuries mm-hmm. start to take hold, remember there were there were teams that couldn't make the the last game, make the bowl game because they 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 didn't have enough 
<laughs> players to take with them. And so I, that, so I think Beamer's replacing people who have gone out. So I, I don't see that you can put a limit on it because basically you get the wrong, you know, and, it, and, and nobody's immune to it. Uh, we saw that with Alabama. The minute Saban retired and then they hired a coach that wasn't of the Alabama limits, a whole bunch of those guys jumped in the portal <laughs> and started ending up at Georgia and LSU and wherever. So I think you, that's why you have to have that flexibility out there. And then, and then the last thing I'll say in regards to the, the redshirt rule, the redshirt rule would be nice, but we have to always remember all of these, these some of these crazy rules have all come about as a reaction to stuff that happened before. And remember, we had coaches sending a player in in game 12, and the minute he stepped on the field, that was his redshirt year for <laughs> in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. So, so that remember, that rule came about because that was happening a lot. And you'd have a really great player, but a coach put him in to win a bowl game or win a, a rivalry game, and then all of a sudden he lost a whole year. That's right, yeah. No, so, I, I like the yeah. redshirt. And we've got to run, Hank. Thank you. Yeah, I got no problem with the redshirt rule, what they've done now. I kind of like the idea. You can play guys a little bit, but don't cross that four-game limit and still keep that year intact. I like that rule, Chris. I'm not a fan, but that's okay. No. I mean, we can disagree. Yeah. I, I think redshirting kids is, is dumb at this point anymore because, I don't, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I don't see players hanging around long enough to utilize that redshirt year. Well, that's true. I especially not a fan of the four games. And I mean, you play almost half the season, but you can get the season back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I would get that. All right. Be right back. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, 
healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Coming up top of the hour, here on Sports Talk, Lou Bajak on the other side. Let's go back to the phones, 888-898-2525. Let's welcome in the, uh, well, he calls himself Triple T for Trash Talking Tiger. He's more famously known as the ABM. ABM, welcome in. How are you tonight? Who are you mad at? There's, there can't be anybody no. you're mad at today. Good afternoon. First of all, Phil, you need to, you know, limit your call because some of these guys, they run on and on and, and talking about nothing, the same thing. Like, you only made two calls, and that guy had to run on and on and on. Mm. It don't make no sense. Mm. A couple of things. If Don Staley doesn't win this year, she needs to quit coaching. Get out of coaching. I'm saying this. Next thing, Phil, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What is, what is a preferred walk-on? That is a walk-on who is invited to join the team without going through a tryout. It's just a little short of a scholarship offer because they no, don't no, have the no, 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 Phil, they mm-hmm. call you up and ask you to walk on, and they said, "Look, you would not be on an athletic scholarship, but you'd be on, on, on some other scholarship." Yeah, there could be other my, money. Mm-hmm. Hey, look here, my son was on scholarship for five years. They called Teray. And so we want you to walk on. I'm saying it. You would not be because we don't want you count against the numbers. So he was a PWO. He was a PWO. I, you know. So you know he, he, we weren't gonna pay nothing because he was good enough to be on the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Which so, he eventually like said, he eventually earned that. Well, now he got it the next year. Oh, yeah. they told him he was gonna be on scholarship the next you know, yeah. cycle. Yeah, they get into. And, 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 hey, we gotta go. If you want to hang on, hang on. We'll come back to you. Yeah, they do get into numbers crunch time uh, occasionally. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network here on a very busy Tuesday nights. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Lou Bajak from the States going to join us here in just a second. But the ABM and Triple T, Trash Talking Tiger Oliver, was hanging on over the break, so I told him we'd finish up with him here to open up the next hour. So, ABM, what else you got left to fire away? Yeah, let me explain something to some people. I don't know what nobody else say. Uh-huh. Uh, they called my son to actually go on, to come on the walk-on. My son was on scholarship from day one. He left June 28th, uh, 1999, to go to Clemson. I'm saying this. Uh-huh. And he was on... I don't want to know what they paid for the for the nineteen for the ninety nine two thousand 
2000 season. So what are you mad about? No, I'm not, I'm not angry. I keep saying when y'all keep saying prefer walk on is not on scholarship. Well, they're on scholarship. Not all and, of them. And, not all of them. Well, well, oh, Oh, maybe my son was good. Was good enough. To, you know what I'm saying is, and, well, and, 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 you know, and, and, and they're asking the red shirt. I'm saying this. Yeah. And I'm saying so. So the last thing I want to say about the uh, transfer portal. Yes. My thing is, if you lose 20 players in the transfer portal, you should be able to get 20 players in the transfer portal. What do you think about that? One for one. Player for player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one for one. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, I think. Then you'll have even a stronger case where coaches are pushing players out into the transfer portal. Oh, of course. They, they, they're pushing players out now. Well, I know that. I know some are. But I think if you limit how many they can take out of the portal, if you do it a one-for-one one thing, they're going to find maybe some others who are borderline contributors, maybe not you know, as far down the line as some of the others that they definitely want gone, but borderline contributors that they want to move on out so they can go get more out of the transfer portal. Does anybody care about that? Maybe not. That's not a bad idea, okay. one for one thing. All right, thank you. Appreciate it very much. The angry black man sharing his always passionate thoughts with us here on Sports Talk. 888 That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you. Let's welcome into the program one of the greats of the game. Lou Bajak of the state newspaper, who today had the uh, unenviable task. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to put my worst enemy through Boy, this. that's for sure. Of listening to the South Carolina High School League Executive Committee hear appeals on alignment. Lou, uh, are you cross-eyed? Is your head spinning? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm okay now. I've had about an hour to digest uh, uh, eight, eight hours of hearing appeals, and uh, the, and you get more tomorrow. So, um, luckily, they did more of them today. They did twelve of the twenty-two today. So, Ooh. ten more tomorrow, though. I yeah, won't we'll have to hit you back up tomorrow if you would, because I haven't gone through your uh, byline uh, tweet by tweet. Will you just run down the list of who appealed and how it turned out for each? Yeah, they um. Let me. Uh, Abbeville appealed. They lost. Uh, Saluda appealed. Or not Saluda. Seneca appealed. They lost. Burke. Those were the three uh, traditional public schools. They all lost. Hmm. Um, High Point lost, but they, they wanted to go from three A to one A, or but then they compromised. That was denied. So they they they're going to two A. Uh, so they kind of won, but uh, they didn't. Um, Horse Creek Academy. <laughs> Horse Creek Academy, um, then newer school. <laughs> Where newer is that? School. Where is Horse Creek it's Academy? Aiken area. Aiken area. Oh, okay, makes sense. Aiken area went from three A to one A. They they won their appeal because they're kind of a new school. They don't have not too much too successful. Um, same with Charleston Math and Science. They all stay in one A. Um, trying to think. Um, the Great Collegiate. They were denied. Uh, they wanted to go from four A to three A, but. Uh, as of now, they'll, they're going to appeal their decision um, uh, to the appellate panel. Um, we also had uh, James Island Charter that wanted to go stay in 4A, not move up to 5A. They were denied. Um, uh, I think there's a couple more missing, but not. Um, that's pre- that's pretty much it. The the, the big ones. St. Joseph's. Um, what about St. Joseph's? Yeah, St. Joseph's. Uh, yeah, that's right. They were um, they were wanting to stay and uh, go down to 2A. 
instead of uh, going to 3A, which were, they were proposed. So that was denied. I'm not sure if they're going to appeal. I do know Abbeville and Great Collegiate are appealing for sure. I don't know about the other ones that lost their um, first appeal today. So And you got 10 more tomorrow. And then decide how many. I'm not sure if it will be Thursday and Friday for the appellate panel or just one day, just depending on how many how many appeals schools are going to appeal for a second time and that will be it well once the appeals are heard uh the rest of the week i believe and then they can decide to go um uh, they can start talking region or uh yeah region placement now with the classifications all all decided yeah and then there'll be some appeals on that right correct yeah Yeah. you can appeal you you can you got to appeal to your region classification first and then, uh, then you would go to the executive committee and then the appellate panel. Yeah. So, yeah, there, I'm sure there won't be as many as uh, uh, appealing classification, but I mean, there's probably be at least a handful, uh, just depending on where, where you're put in the region. And the big thing is, I mean, they're going to do 5A is a lot bigger. So there's a lot more teams moving up. That's why a lot of teams are trying to, um, they were trying to appeal their placements. Sure. Visiting with Lou Bajak from the state on. High School League appeals today of classification. Was there a common thread from the schools that were appealing as far as the argument they were making that kind of they all kind of shared the same idea here? Uh, safety for the smaller schools moving up like Gray. I, I think I forgot to mention Fox Creek won their appeal uh, to stay in um, uh, 2A. Or three, one of those are for, but they were proposed to go to four A, I believe. But they they won their appeal. Yeah, safety was the biggest thing. Like schools like St. Joe for the contact sports, mm-hmm. great collegiate. Uh, they were saying, I mean, they don't have the guys to maybe the enough players to compete in four A. Um, you would have to bring JV guys up, maybe um, not play as many JV games, stuff stuff like that. Safety and uh, some a little bit of the travel concern. I think Abbeville was. One of their appeals was uh, the travel concerns, uh, the longer travels, but no regions have been proposed yet, so they were just assuming uh, based on what they think the regions are going to look like. So uh, safety was the biggest thing. And uh, if you weren't that great, I mean, they're trying to do this for competitive balance. The schools that have done well in sports like Gray and St. Joseph's and James Island and that, it would be harder to win their appeal because, I mean, they want the – spread out the the balance and uh, keep the teams out of the like the the lower levels but the schools like Charleston Math and Science and uh, Horse Creek and High Point that aren't great in a lot of sports uh, they, they they were easier to win their appeals. Lou Bajak, the prep sports coordinator, the state newspaper with us here tonight and uh, scoop I wanted to follow up on uh, that very subject. Did Great Collegiate get a fair assessment in your mind, or is there so much public pressure on them and the uh, events surrounding what they're doing in football that the high school league was never going to give them an opportunity? Let, like, let's say let's take their exact resume and put AC Flora across the chest. Does AC Flora win that appeal? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think great just because uh, they are in, uh, I mean, they, they do tend the charter, they're being a public charter school and the success they had. I think it did make it a little bit tougher and talking to their principal afterward, Brian Newsom. Um, it's kind of a little bit of the sentiment. He didn't say that word for word or anything, but just the gist. And, uh, he said they'll try and try and give it, uh, in front of a different, different body, different voice in the pellet panel. And, uh, yeah, it was going to be tough for them, uh, to, to win their appeal. I mean, I know what they were saying, um, but having that success and they, they playing teams in 4A and 5A routinely, especially because no, no teams in the region would, uh, 
play them, uh, that, that they've been playing upper classifications, but they just stressed it, basically doing it on a six or seven games instead of a one-game thing. They, that's what they were trying to make uh, their appeal. So it's going to be interesting to see if they, they get their appeal and they get to be in 3A. They said they have no problem with moving up, and they, they were definitely all for it, but two classifications, I think uh, uh, Mr. Newsom used the words unfathomable in, uh, in, uh, during the meeting today. With regards to 5A, we have not had you on since the high school league looked at the possibility of breaking 5A up into two divisions. First off, in your mind, is that a good move for Class 5A? And if if it is, why not just go to a sixth classification? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. Why not sixth classification? I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I think splitting 5A will be interesting. Uh, I assume uh, we'll just want to see how it works out, If it, how, how they're going to figure out the playoffs, because I assume they're not going to. I mean, the teams in 5A, if you're going to be in a 5A region, but some teams will be big 5A, some teams little 5A, right. which is we're done in the past with the big 16 and that. How are they going to do the point system and stuff like that? And how many teams will qualify for the playoffs? There's still a lot of questions um, that you have to, to have to answer, and uh, hopefully we'll get some answers in these next few weeks. But, yeah, I, I, they, I think that going to six classification, too, they would have to – it would be a need to – and I don't think there would be enough time. You would need uh, a full amendment uh, to add it to the Constitution. So um, I think that was one of the things, too. And we'll see. Like, like uh, it was said during the meeting, uh, it, this is a two-year thing. So people are like, oh, they don't want to wait and see how it plays out. But just wait and see how it plays out in two years. And if it doesn't work, we can try something else. And uh, at least they're trying to do something and not um, just the status quo. Yeah. Good question by Chris. I, I got to believe, at least in public opinion, those who follow high school sports clearly, when Gray Collegiate made their appeal based on numbers and injury factor and all that, I'm, I, I got to believe the public sentiment was uh, cry me a river because, uh, you know, they've been winning so much and dominating in their area. And obviously teams weren't going to play them because of how they are viewed at accruing their, their players. So, I'm sure there was very little sympathy for them in, in terms of the public opinion on this thing. I, obviously, the appeal panel felt the same way. What were the emotions like? Sometimes these things can get a little heated. Did we did we have any flare ups, or was it all pretty calm all day? The the gray one was a uh, it got a little testy because uh, one of the panel members, uh, J.R. Green, uh, he's at Fairfield Central, the superintendent ah. of, in Fairfield County, uh-huh. and he's the one that kind of got this thing going uh, with, with the, the forfeiting, uh, and uh, you had Mid Carolina, which is uh, in that region too, and they, they, uh, and then I had another committee member, you know, make a comment about their bus. You know, their butt. I mean, how nice. And then Newsom had to respond with that. And yeah, so it got a little tense in that one. And uh, some of the James Island, St. Joseph's, it got a little uh, as well. James Island's appeal, I think, might have been one of the weaker ones. Um, they, they, they were just uh, basically saying they they could wanted to stay in 4A's because they can get to the schools in Beaufort County and uh, some of the other ones, even though it's a farther trip. And uh, I don't know. So. I don't know if they have much of an appeal, and uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, gray, the gray thing got a little bit, and even on social media, people are still going back and, back and forth. And um, You're not going to please everyone, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, in a couple of days on their appeal and then uh, get ready for tomorrow. Uh, we got Christchurch on deck tomorrow, which mm-hmm. they, they were they're Class 1A, but they are uh, proposed to move up to 4A, so we'll see if 
if that sticks or they keep them down or they would bump them down to 3A because St. Joe's is in 3A. So maybe that will be one of the things. And then locally in Columbia area, American leadership, which is just in their first year, um, they got them going, moving from 2A to 3A. We'll see uh, what Robin Bacon and uh, those at American leadership, um, see if they can win their appeal tomorrow as well. And Landrum's the last public school to go, um, the fourth and final public school out of the 22 schools. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I mean, I don't care how good your small group of athletes happens to be. You jump from 1A to 4A, that's tough. I mean, that really puts the deck against you. I don't care where you're getting your players from or your students from or how good they might be. That's that's a significant penalty against you to make that kind of a jump. I'll, I'll be interested to see if the appeals panel keeps them in 4A or gives them some relief. Yeah, and that's the thing in today, and then the, the the gray argument about 4A, and that one one of the committee members are basically saying 4A isn't the 4A as it is this year. It's basically most of the teams from 3A because it's 5A so big. So they are trying to lessen that it's not as much of a jump as you would think. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. But still, yeah, 1A to 4A that's going to be huge, and I would think Christchurch has a good case. Although they have won a lot of championships, so hmm. that might, I mean, and they've pretty much dominated Class A in a lot, a lot of the sports. So, and same with St. Joe's, but St. Joe's, they, they were only proposed to go to 3A, and that's stuck. We'll, we'll see if Christchurch at least gets going to go from 4A to 3A. All right. Where is uh, Gray in looking for their new head coach? Um, they're, I think they're still taking um, applications. I think the interview process is going to start in early February. And then, and then go from there. You got a shot at it. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> the head coach, and they get to find an AD. I don't know if they'll split. Uh, there's talks that maybe they they might split that job, and uh, you have one AD, one the AD position separate from football. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's it's a good job. I mean, uh, they with the new facilities and everything, and uh, the success they've had. It's definitely a desirable job. It's going to be interesting to see who they hire, and there, I know there's a couple internal candidates uh, possibly, but. Um, We'll see how that all shakes out. All right, my friend. We thank you very much. Great job as always. We'll tell everybody to follow Lou on X, formerly known as Twitter, and also read his stuff in the States, and you'll find out everything that went on today because you need somebody to be able to break it down simply, and Lou can do that. So we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it, guys. Take care of yourself. Lou Bajak, Scoop, as we like to call him. By the way... Congratulations to the Big Kahuna down in Charleston, Bobby Harton, the South Carolina Sportscaster of the Year, and Pete Iacobelli of the Associated Press. And you get double stuffing if you can spell his last name. Pete (laughs) Iacobelli of the Associated Press, the Sports Writer of the Year for the National Sports Writers. uh, They changed the name, National Sports Media Association. Congratulations to those two. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. 
Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, time for recruiting here on Sports Talk, brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells. Hey, you know, nobody's having big parties outside tomorrow or the next day, but when spring rolls around, it's party time in South Carolina, and you want to have the experts in catering to uh, set it up and to operate it and then break it down. Those folks are Seawells. They'll come to your location or they'll host at their beautiful location on Rosewood Drive. For more information about their catering services, take a look at SeawellsCateringSC.com. For more personal one-on-one attention, give them a call at 803-771-7385. And we've got, of course, uh, three more days of the Daily Luncheon Buffet this week, building towards a roast beef Friday. So a busy day tomorrow with the Daily Luncheon Buffet from 11 till 2. All right. In recruiting, South Carolina, two more takes from the portal, John. Quarterback Robbie Ashford, 6'4", 225, out of Hoover, Alabama, began his career at Oregon, did not play a game for the Ducks, and then he transfers back closer to home to Auburn, where he became a player with the Tigers, has two years of eligibility left with the Gamecocks, 
And he played in 22 games at Auburn over the two seasons. He passed for 1,758 yards, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. He also rushed for 927 yards and 12 touchdowns. He also has a baseball background. He played in 20 games for the Oregon baseball team, which is a good baseball team. But I don't think he wants to play baseball. I think his focus is still on being a quarterback. So he joins the Gamecocks. And then this afternoon, offensive guard Kamar Bell, 6'2", 300, announced he's joining the Gamecocks as a transfer from FAU. He began his career at Auburn. He's a native of Moultrie, Georgia. What famous head football coach came from Moultrie, Georgia? Anybody got an idea? Newt I, mean, I have an idea. No, not Newt Rockney. But, you know, along those same lines. All right. Eric Parsegian. Ray Goff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Ray Goff and Newt Rockney are in the same category, I think. You know the uh, <laughs> the fight name, the, the nickname of the Moultrie High football team, what they're known as? I do not. They are the Packers. Really? Yes. Interesting. So he started all 12 games for the Owls this past season, primarily at right guard. He arrived at Auburn in 19 and redshirted that season. He played in one game for the Tigers in 20, then entered the portal, John. He'll have one season of eligibility with the Gamecocks. He is the 18th scholarship transfer taken by the Gamecocks this offseason. He's the 34th newcomer for the 2024 season. All right, uh, USC offered 2026 defensive end Jordan Carter, 6'4", 235, Douglasville, Georgia. Gaffney offensive tackle Shed Surratt offered by Georgia Tech. River Bluff wide receiver Stephen Collier plans to visit USC Saturday. Rock Hill wide receiver Malik Clark was offered by Kentucky. Clemson target offensive lineman Mason Short, who's from Georgia, decommitted from Alabama. Alabama's had a bunch of decommitments. What does that tell you? Is it the man or is it the program? I mean, seriously. They always say, don't pick a school because of the coach. Pick a school because that's where you want to mature. It's where you want to be educated. It's where you want to perhaps meet your future wife. And don't pick it because of a coach because coaches come and go. But it seems more and more apparent to me, Chris, that players are picking schools based on the coach. Because as soon as the coach leaves, they're out the door. And, Phil, I think that's probably the way it's always been because the coach is their first contact point with whatever university or college they ultimately play. And, and I think that's, that's nothing new has changed. So, yeah, it's always going to be the coach, sometimes the position coach as much as the head coach. Yeah. Well, that's why you have so many position coaches wait until after signing day to announce they're leaving which is a crummy thing to do. But, I mean, sometimes they get the offer after signing day or right around it, and it's a better offer, a chance to move up. And, unfortunately for them, they leave after signing day. And it's not a good look because you've been recruiting these guys, telling them you're going to be there, you're going to be their position coach, and then you leave for what you think is a better opportunity. So that kind of leaves them out in the cold. Next guy comes in, you might not like him as much. He might not like you as much. And you're sort of left holding the bag there. So Very true. I see why so many of them hit the portal, John. And do it. There's nothing holding them back. We'll come back and uh, take more of your phone calls after this bottom of the hour break.
We are back with you. Sports Talk, Sports Talk, Media Network, Phil Kornblutz, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel, 888-898-2525. That's the phone number. Go back to your phone calls in just a second. Going to hear from Dawn Staley and what she had to say about meeting the vice president yesterday. Vice President Kamala Harris was in Columbia, part of Martin Luther King Day activities, and made her way over to South Carolina to the arena and met with the both the Gamecocks and the Kentucky team. Had a chance to talk with coaches and players. So had to be an exciting time for uh, both sides there, getting a chance to uh, visit with the VP. In fact, here is Dawn Staley. After last night's game, she was asked about that. What was it like for her to have this face-to-face meeting with the vice president? I mean, it's super cool. Like, you know, that was the first time I've ever met her in person. I was in a room with her before, but never got a chance to personally meet her and talk to her. And um, you, uh, you know, you, you sometimes forget they're just, they're people. Um, and we look at them like royalty, because I did. I'm like, <laughs> um, and then when she, you know, and I, I got a little emotional because I, I, I know what she represents uh, for for women, for black women, for being the first. Like when you're the first, you, you get it all. You get the good, the bad, the ugly, and you have to you have to embrace it. And I, I do think that um, um, her strength is very evident, and I, I need our players to see the strength of, of that kind of woman. I know they see me and they see our coaching staff in this realm, but they don't see – you know, strong women probably outside of their households, um, out in the world. Like, you know, she's she's second in command, you know, of the free world. Like, seriously, like, that's huge. And for, for her to, you know, want to take time out of her day because she could have easily gotten on, you know, she could have easily gotten on um, Air Force Two and it's two of them that travel. She could have got on one of them. Um and head on back to, and continue to try to make the world a better place. Um, but she chose to come to speak to um, not only our team, but she spoke to Kentucky, wanting to speak to Kentucky, like wanting them to, you know. And I think her, her reach is really far. I, I wanted our players to feel that and understand that um, they can do the unimaginable. But doing the unimaginable, you take hits for it. Like I'll probably take hits for the post. I'm gonna post some more because I got a cool picture of her, of of her and I. I mean, who wouldn't want to? Who wouldn't want to meet her? Probably some other people that's gonna post under my picture. But seriously, like whatever, wherever you draw the line um, politically, you wouldn't want to meet the vice president of the United States. You wouldn't want to meet the the president of the United States. I mean. It's not it's not that deep like these are these are experiences that not very many people get I'm glad our, our players got a chance to experience her how did you see your team react to getting the chance to meet vice president Harris and what's the significance of it happening on MLK day um well I, I thought they were great like I thought they 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 really understood what was happening and they were great in the moment um I don't think she would come if it wasn't for MLK Day because she was here <laughs> doing the speech at an MLK breakfast. 
Um, but it, it's special. You you really get to reflect on um, the works of Martin Luther King. You know, that's what you know. That's what he saw, um, and that's what he you know spoke about. And it 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 allows us to keep his legacy going and also um, support. You know, someone, for me, someone that looks like me, like, um, and I just think that's, that's that's a pretty cool moment. I don't, I don't, I don't get starstruck a whole lot. I do with, like, presidents and vice presidents. Like, I think they're, I think they're the coolest because you see Secret Service, like, 60 Secret Service men walking, and women walking around. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't leave the building. Um, after our pregame, and then finally I got a chance to leave the building. And there's like a hundred cars lined up, like ready for her to exit the building. And I'm, I'm taking video of it. And um, I mean, it's just, it's just cool to see the inner workings of it. All right, Dawn Staley, who uh, of course is royalty herself in the basketball world, but uh, feels. A little small compared to the president and the vice president, where she gets a chance to to meet those folks. Uh, pretty cool. Politics aside, it is the vice president, and mm-hmm. you know you respect the office and you respect what it stands for, and uh, that's pretty cool. You get a chance to have them come visit with your team. You know, no matter what your politics happen to be, it's just nice to have that sort of opportunity. So uh, that was great for the South Carolina women. Then they went out and bashed Kentucky like uh, it was nobody else's business. All right, a couple of other things in back of your phone calls. Our poll question of the week, Nick Saban retired last week. Dabo Sweeney was not hired as his replacement. Your reaction to that was 520 votes are in. 85.6% say they were not surprised. 10% say he'll be the next guy. Dabo Sweeney was not hired as the next coach at Alabama. We have the new rankings for high school basketball from the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association. In 5A boys, top five are Lexington, Somerville, St. James, Dorman, and Burns. In the uh, 4A boys, Ridgeview, Greer, Westwood, Catawba Ridge, Wilson. That's your top five. In 3A boys, Crestwood, Darlington, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Powdersville, and Wren. In 2A boys, Gray Collegiate, Oceanside Collegiate, Hampton County, Andrew Jackson, and Marion. 1A boys, St. Joseph's, Louisville, uh, Louisville, Louisville. <laughs> I don't think Louisville could Louisville beat anybody. Louisville wouldn't be ranked money. in high school basketball, <laughs> Phil. As uh, bad as they are. <laughs> all right, St. Joe's. Louisville, St. Joseph's, Louisville, Denmark Oler, McCormick, and Bridges Prep. Okay, that one I don't know. I don't know Bridges Prep. Do you know Bridges Prep? on me as well. Yeah, don't know Bridges Prep. All right, on the girls' side, we have the top team in 5A for the girls, and that would be, I'll tell you here in just a second, uh, where are the girls? Here we go. Uh, where's the girls? Give me a second here. Got to get out of that. Go back over to here. There we go. 5A girls. Uh, Sumter, Malden, Fort Mill, J.L. Mann, Rock Hill. 
in 4A girls. South Point, Greenwood, Pickens, North Augusta, Bluffton. 3A girls, Camden, Wren, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Blue Ridge, and Fountain Inn. 2A girls, Bishop England, Silver Bluff, Andrew Jackson, Gray Collegiate, and Lee Central. 1A girls, Military Magnet, Denmark Oler, Carver's Bay, Lakeview, and High Point. All right, so there you go with the latest high school rankings. Coach John Combs, of course, will be with us tomorrow night, 7.05, hooping and hollering with Coach Combs. Also tomorrow night at 6.35, let's make sure we don't forget this time, Corn. Dr. Rick Sanford to talk some football, college, NFL, Patriots. He's got a little something to say about all of that, I'm sure. So he'll be with us tomorrow night. I want to also mention this. Jim Corbett tweeted this last night, our man Jim Corbett, who is close with Sheila Foster, the former Gamecock star women's basketball player. And he tweeted that she was in a car wreck last week, had surgery on her ankle, and has more surgery scheduled for today for her chest area. She's in good spirits and would love people to get the prayer chains going for her. So if you have not heard that, now you've heard it. And thank Jim what Corbett a terrific player for getting that out. She was and a terrific player she was at USC. Oh, my, yeah. I mean, she was – well, I mean, at, 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 at that time, she was as good as there was in exactly. women's high school – women's college basketball, there's no question about it. Mm-hmm. How about Gigi Jackson, youngest player in NBA history to record back-to-back 20-plus point games? That's exactly what I was about to jump in and talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping yeah. we'd get around to that tonight. And what about that? What do you think? Well, it's not just that. Not only was he just back-to-back games. I mean, last night against the Grizzlies, I'm sorry, against the uh, Warriors, he had 23 points. But he was 6-9 from the field, 5-8 of eight from three, 6-8 of eight from free throw, added six rebounds on top of it. And then back on Saturday against the Knicks in 27 minutes, he had 20 points, six boards, and a rebound in that. He also added two blocks in each of those games. And last night, it was a really cool moment afterwards. The game was on TNT and they were doing the normal post game on TNT, and he was being interviewed. And when when uh, Shaquille O'Neal asked him a question, Gigi almost—I don't want to say he got emotional, but he he, he was starstruck. Yeah. And then when Charles Barkley started talking to him, you could almost see on his <laughs> face, and it just was so cool to watch. This is a Columbia kid now turned man that was starstruck on TV talking to guys that he's idolized his whole life, and that was just kind of neat to see. Last year, he was in a Gamecock uniform here in Columbia. In times that we got to interview him, especially the introductory press conference for Lamont Paris, Gigi was there for that and was very shy. At least that was my takeaway, was he was very, very shy, confident, but now seeing him on national television being interviewed by these guys, was that was really, really cool to see. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, parts. Chris. When, when I get a call from Smitty, I'm, I feel that same way. I'm starstruck. <laughs> when, Smitty, when Smitty's on and the Pat, line, I'm like, I can't get the words out. And Pat left out the best part when Charles made fun of Shaq, telling him, uh, "GT, you'll know it was Shaq when he's mumbling." Oh. <laughs> That's how you know who. Yeah, he but is. you know what Shaq's comeback was? <laughs> how many championships? Yeah, how many rings? Has. Ask him how many <laughs> rings he's got, GT. That's his comeback every time with Charles. Great. Well, Charles, really he'll was. never live that down. No matter how great a player he was, how much smack he wants to talk to any of these other players who've won championships, he can't say a word no, you're right. when they throw that yeah. at him. And kudos to Gigi. He was giving big praise to all the assistants because Charles asked a great, a great question, like how do you stay motivated? A lot of guys we see bouncing back and forth between the G League and the NBA, they seem impre- like unprepared. 
Whereas Gigi was able to step right in, and right when they asked him to, to actually go out and score, he answered. Back-to-back 20-plus point games, and he gave a lot of credit. I'm sorry, I forget the guy's name now off the top of my head, but to the his shooting coach and trainers and other guys that are in gals that he's given credit to is really getting him on the top of his game. Mm-hmm. We have the D1 baseball preseason ranking coming out today. Clemson is number 10, Coastal is number 18, and South Carolina is number 25. Wake Forest, number one, followed by Florida, Arkansas, LSU, and TCU. That's by D1 Baseball. And I have a question. Let me just see. Let me let me just finish here real quick for mm-hmm. you. Question: uh, F uh, Football Writers of Associate <laughs> Football Writers Association of America Freshman All American Team Clemson had three safety Khalil Barnes, defensive tackle Peter Woods, and defensive end T J Parker. Clemson and Georgia tied for the most on the team with three each. And one more note here that Jim Harbaugh. Michigan coach is seeking termination protection and a potential new contract amid NCAA probes, according to a report, as he's dealing with Michigan while also interviewing, at least with the Chargers, for NFL jobs. So he wants some protection that no matter what he's done and what might happen with the NCAA, if he stays at Michigan, they're not going to can him. Chris? Can we stop referencing all the myriad of baseball polls until they come to one consensus baseball poll? The reason I ask that, how can two sets of eyes look at teams and view them so vastly different? Because you remember last week, Perfect Game came out with its top 25, had South Carolina 13th, Clemson 21st, and Coastal 25th. So how how can D1 baseball look at those same three teams (laughs) <laughs> and mix them up yeah. so differently. Really? I just don't get it. And wait till we get collegiate baseball's ranking. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll have a different. They'll have a different. I mean, they tend to agree pretty much at the top. I think right. Perfect Game had Wake Forest number one. They also had two Wake Forest players as the best players in the country, pitcher and hitter. And I imagine collegiate baseball, which is based right there in the in the uh, triangle area, uh, is going to have Wake Forest ranked number one they must be really really good on paper this year okay back to the phone calls 888-898-2525 we go to bruce in missouri where i bet you it's really cold bruce what you got on the temperature reading tonight uh it's gonna be right at one uh, minus one minus one e minus one wow it's that's cold brother that's cold it's supposed to heat up to 40, uh, 45 degrees tomorrow in one hour and go back down to, uh, I think it's right at uh, two degrees. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I hate to tell no, I wouldn't shake Kamala Harris' dirty hands if I had to. Anyway, uh, is the, the, the uh, reassignment of the, uh, the schools, high schools, um, I still don't think they got it right. They need to have the college, the special schools that are recruiting special players around the area uh, to play in their own league in the playoffs. They can play regular season with other teams, but they need to have their own playoff game for state championship. It's not going to be even no matter what they do with that, uh, what they're doing right now. I was on the team that was uh, – 
the double AT, they moved us up uh, when we integrated a, a, a ball, and we didn't have enough people, neither did Palmetto. But we had to play two years in AAA. Palmetto won the state championship first year, and we won the state championship the second year undefeated, and we played another double A team, Pageland, and uh, we went back down to double uh, A the next uh, year. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, I don't think it's fair to p- pick out special players that have the athletic abilities, that, you know, not everybody on that team that uh, like Abby, they're going to have the same at, uh, at a uh, level of uh, athletics. Um, you know, they're, they're just playing beyond the, um, beyond the scope of the, uh, of the game. And I just don't think it's fair to have uh, them play in, in the state championship to, uh, or playoffs with that same level against uh, regular you know, county teams or state or city teams. They're not going to have the same level of athletes. They need to play each other. And thank you, Bill, for taking the call. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you very much. So, I mean, Bruce is, Bruce is like, if I understood him, play whoever you want to play in the regular season but just have the playoffs – for distinct levels of classifications based on your enrollment? Sounded like he wanted to take the charter schools and the private schools, let them play during the regular season, and then have them play one another in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Problem here's is, the, here, that wouldn't yeah. have fixed Gray's problem right. last year because their region wouldn't play them during the regular season. That's, that's right. kind of what Tennessee does. Remember last week when we had Coach Bentley on, mm-hmm. and he talked a little bit about the way the system works in Tennessee, and he mentioned that there's a lot, if I'm remembering correctly, that there's a lot of competition during the regular season between public schools and private or charter schools, but come playoff time, you're either 3A private or 3A public, mm-hmm. and there's no crossing there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how would that work? I'm trying to think. I mean, how would that work for the private and charter schools? There's not enough. No. Not right now. There's not enough teams, not counting Skeezer. That's an entirely different organization there, and they play amongst themselves. Though there are some Skeezer teams that do play high school league teams in September. Mm-hmm. Teams that need games, we're seeing more and more of that. Teams that need games will schedule a nearby Skeezer op- opponent. Um, but that's in September. I mean, I don't know how you'd be able to fill out a schedule with so few teams and – and then, you know, you can't – you have to play region games the last month of the season to determine postseason qualification. So you can't be working in a game against a non-region charter school for the sake of playing them, right? How, so that, I think that would be problematical. Well, I, yeah, there's, the problem is, Phil, right now there's no – perfect solution for this everybody's looking for the the perfect solution i don't think there is one i think ultimately we might get to one if we end up with enough charter schools where they could split off and have their own classification you know charter school a or mm-hmm. whatever and they all play regular season games play also the whole nine yards in that league and maybe you lump in the private schools like Christchurch and st joseph's and those guys who want to play in the public school realm let them do the same thing play with the charter schools but until we get to that point i think the multiplier is the best next best scenario and i think moving them up i disagree with bruce i think it's going to be difficult for uh, for gray uh, collegiate to have to go to 4a and be successful i think it's going to be difficult if they make christ church go all the way to 4a i think first off that's punitive to them and unfair to them but if they end up playing at 3a i think it's going to be difficult for them 
they're not going to dominate the way they have at 1A. It's just that I just don't see that. All right, thanks for the phone call. Uh, 888-898-2525 can squeeze in another final call here before we sign it off. In the meantime, I'll update some basketball. Syracuse is leading Pittsburgh 37-26. Wake Forest on top of NC State 45-35. Alabama leads Missouri at the half 36-34. And we had a little something interesting going on in that one, Chris. Oh, the uh, Missouri-Alabama uh, game? Yes. Yeah, the, evidently I, I, all I saw was a little clip of this, and Nate Oates, of course, can draw plenty of attention to himself purposely or otherwise, but evidently one of the Missouri players came over near the Alabama huddle going to what appeared to be a timeout, and they were evidently talking trash back and forth. I'm not sure what led to that. And Nate Oates did the ultimate no-no as a head coach. He put his hands and shoved the Missouri player out of his huddle. Ooh. And I, if I'm if I'm Dennis Gates, I'm livid. I'm racing. Down, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm racing down to the other end. <clears throat> pardon me to get mm-hmm. head, to head, you know, face to face with Nate Oates. You don't touch my player. You don't talk to my players. You know he was in the wrong being in your huddle. But you worry about your own guys. You're not putting your hands on one of my players. I'm, I'm surprised if Dennis Gates is still in the game. I'd be stunned. Because little, he'd have every right to just go berserk <laughs> on the sidelines. Little more context here too, because I, I I've. Saw the little clip you did, but now there's longer video coming out. And it looks like, not sure if it was a jump ball called or a foul, but a player from either team directly in front of Alabama's bench were kind of wrestling over the ball. Came in, blew the whistle. Again, I'm not sure if it was a foul or a jump ball. You can't tell in this clip. But uh, the Missouri players then came over and were continuing to stand right in front of the Alabama bench after the refs were separating them, and they were seemingly refusing to walk away. Didn't look like a lot of a push, but I'm with you. You can't put your hands on. But he kind of put a hand in his chest and then turned his arm and back to him and was just trying to push him away. But I'm with you. you, you it's one thing to say it, say something to the player or let the yeah. refs do it. Let the refs be refs. Let them take care of it. No need for NATOs to get involved there whatsoever. But just for a bit more context, it looked like it wasn't actually in the huddle. It was just right as a play was ending, and there was a brief skirmish kind of right, right in front of the Alabama bench. All right, we've got Tennessee beating Florida today, 85-66. So Tennessee goes to 3-1 and one in the league, Florida to 1-3. and three. And their transfer from Colorado State necked 39 points and 8 rebounds. He has been lighting it up so far this season. Uh, Sanford is leading Western Carolina 65-60. Sanford's 4-0 in the Southern Conference. Purdue all over Indiana, 51-29 at halftime. Xavier leads Butler, 58-52. TCU over Cincinnati, 33-32. All right, there you go with some some basketball. Of course, we've got South Carolina, Georgia, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Going to tip it off a little bit after 9. We'll have coverage of both games for you. So you can follow along on Twitter to add to your enjoyment of the uh, telecasts. And then after the games, we'll have the comments from the head coaches for you, both on Twitter and on the website, sportstalksc.com. So make sure you check that out, sir. Quick follow-up, just with the Nick Saban, kind of the ripple effect here. Since he retired, there have now been head coaching vacancies at Alabama, Washington, Arizona, San Jose State, San Jose State South Alabama, and now Buffalo. Uh, golly, <laughs> Buffalo. Just quite the trickle-down effect. And yep. then also five different players – that entered the portal from Alabama since that decision by Saban have now committed to transfer to Florida State. Yeah. 
look out for Florida State. They get the right quarterback in there Ooh. for next season. They're going to be they're going to be tough. And uh, Clemson and Florida State. Oh, that's right. They do have a younger lay coming in. Well, they still is he the right quarterback? You know, we'll see. He can't be better than um, what they had before. That's for sure because he was something special. All right, that'll do it. Chris, thank you. Have a good trip yes, to Georgia sir. Southern tomorrow. We'll do. We'll talk to you from Statesboro. You got it. Thank you, Pat, and see you tomorrow.